Welcome to Black Fashion History, the podcast that celebrates the contributions of Black people to the fashion industry. It's Black history, but make it fashion. And I'm your host, Taniqua Martin. Welcome back, everyone. I so appreciate you all joining me for another week. And thank you. Thank you all for all of the love and support on the relaunch. Um, You guys are loving the new look and so do I. So I'm so excited. And I'm just happy to be back and share all of this wonderful, amazing content. So today's episode is going to be a solo episode. On Juneteenth, I shared a collab episode that I did with Sisters Who Kill and nine other podcasts. And I started out giving just a little bit of a snippet about the history and the impact of fashion shows in the Black community. So today's episode is going to be the full of that snippet. So you guys get to hear everything that I shared on that podcast, as well as some additional research. So I hope you guys like like it. Before we get into it, heads up, obviously the first half of the episode is going to be exactly the same as what was shared in that collab episode. Um, so if you've already listened to it, yay you for being a super fan. I love it. I don't know. I would say maybe about the 12 minute mark, you can fast forward and that's where the new information rolls in. But if you haven't had a chance to listen to that collab episode, then this is perfect and you can just start from the beginning and uh, hopefully like it. Fashion shows have been a staple in the Black communities in America for decades, as long as I know that I can remember. I can think about growing up and going to church fashion shows, think about charity fashion shows, and we use them to accomplish so many things. Charities, like I say, raising money for churches or showcasing the talent of church or just having a creative space. Um, we also use it to promote community causes, highlight local talent, and you know, also just as an occasion to stunt. So fashion and fashion shows are no stranger to the Black community. Black communities around the world use fashion shows as a way of expression, cultural celebration, and sometimes a vehicle for justice. And it's not a surprise that fashion shows would be a popular thing in our community because fashion is so interwoven within Black communities for, again, decades. I would even say not even decades, centuries from the beginning of time. Being a seamstress was a very common skill among Black women in the early 20th centuries. Many Black mothers chose to make clothes for themselves and their family because it was more fiscally accessible at the time. They didn't have to go out and buy things. They had materials and the skills, and they passed those skills down on to their children. And then you had the emergence of Black designers where they're not just seamstresses who made clothes, but they made clothes with the intent of having a creative outlet, as well as a practical intent of providing clothing for themselves and for their community. Many Black designers, starting from the early 20th century, chose to make clothes that were sold to Black customers in Black communities for the simple fact, again, of just living in these communities with each other, accessibility, and designing having a cultural root. In the 1920s, Black families started to experience an interesting wave of opportunity. So many Black families from the South would move up North in pursuit of a higher standard of living less discrimination, of course, personal autonomy, and then just so much more freedom. This resulted in a boom of Black businesses and thriving Black communities. 
So now we have black families with more disposable income. Not all of them. Again, not everyone at the time experiences, but we do have a subset of the black population that now have more disposable income. This is around the same time as um, Madam C.J. Walker and her business booming. Also at the same time, you had black newspapers and other black media outlets and helping to promote the businesses in the black communities. So of course, with more disposable income comes with more desires to buy things, and that includes clothing and accessories. As you can imagine, even though there's now the subset of the Black population that has more money to spend on things, it was not always a welcoming place for them. Department stores, boutiques, and fashion houses just weren't busting at the seams to allow Black people to come in and you know participate in fashion in that way. This was also an interesting time for the fashion industry as a whole because by the 1920s, the American fashion scene had sort of developed its own way of doing fashion shows. So fashion shows were a concept that began in France and then became popular in the U.S. in the early 20th century. And then they originally started as kind of exclusive by invitation only events and kind of morphed into more of an extravaganza in the United States. So this included performances, dancing, music, kind of theater. And so the American way of doing fashion show was this full-on production and that became solidified by the 1920s. So of course, Black people were excluded from this mainstream fashion space, but Black communities, again, having fashion as a mainstay and something that has been woven into our community for centuries, obviously wanted to participate in fashion in the way that everyone else is participating in fashion. So with their newfound socioeconomic status and many of these new businesses being in the fashion and beauty realm also, Black women really took this as an opportunity to merge all of this. A lot of them were getting involved in um, community organizing as well. And fashion shows became a way for them to raise funds, support organizations, and bring awareness to the community about different causes, as well as enjoy fashion and the work of the community. In the 1920s, there was a very popular Black American actor, playwright, and show producer by the name of Irvin Colladin Miller. And I'm just going to say Irvin C. Miller because I do not know how to say the middle name correctly, or I don't know if I'm saying his middle name correctly. But remember, I told you that early American fashion shows were an extravaganza that focused on music, theater, and dance. So it was more like a play or show production. However, in 1925, Irvin C. Miller produced this annual show that he started taking on the road across the country called the Brown Skin Models. It was very popular and the whole purpose was to glorify attractive black women and celebrate them. Now, this show included songs, dancing, comedy, like many of his other shows. But the focus on the show were on the models themselves who did not do the singing or the dancing or the comedy. They just walked around. These beautiful Black women just walked around in clothing. So what we know to be modeling today and you know what we recognize as a fashion show today. Now, the concept of a model already existed. You know, someone who showcased fashion, this is kind of how fashion shows got started. People, boutiques would have live models to showcase the clothing. So that wasn't novel, but the concept of like fashion walking, meaning the models whose skills in these shows wasn't to do any sort of entertainment, but solely to show off the clothing in a show setting became popularized 
because of this brown skin models review and that term was called fashion walking. Of course, this increased in popularity among black communities because that was his main audience. And, you know, these concepts of models just donning clothing and walking around posing was incorporated into the fashion shows at the time and made fashion shows even more popular in black communities. And many women leaned on them even more as a source of fundraising for the community work that they were doing. The 1920s was also the era of the Harlem Renaissance, which we all know and love. It was the time where it was just a massive celebration of Black art and culture and artistry in all its forms. And that also included fashion shows. Actually, Harlem started becoming synonymous with fashion shows at this time. Like these became a very regular occurrence when Harlem was booming and this lasted from the 20s all the way up into the 60s to the point where they were having hundreds of fashion shows every year in Harlem like Harlem became I would say the black fashion capital now these shows were usually put on in churches and we know that the black church is a mainstay in the community because we use it for so much more than Sunday worship many of our civil rights leader organized and planned their movements in churches. We did meetings in churches, fashion shows and fundraising happened in churches. So again, the Black church was a staple in the Black community at this time. So of course, many fashion shows happened in there because it was a safe space for Black people to gather and support the works and artistry of each other. Over the years, fashion shows in Black communities moved from being these localized Community organized events that kind of happened in silos, like I said, the Harlem fashion shows that were really popular in the Harlem communities and into these national events that traveled from state to state across America. And that kind of moved the work of fashion shows from being just showcasing local designers into introducing new markets to new designers and kind of help build the concept of the Black fashion designer and and national popularity. A great example of this is the Ebony Fashion Fair fashion shows. John Johnson and his wife Eunice Johnson created the media and publishing empire that we know as today as Johnson Publishing, who are responsible for Jet Magazine and Ebony Magazine, along with other iconic Black magazines of the time. Ebony used to have a section named Fashion Fair, which showcased the most recent and current style trends, but it would showcase them on black models, obviously, because it was a black magazine. But this was revolutionary at the time because magazines and fashion magazines in particular didn't really focus on black women. So for Ebony to be a magazine that was catering to the lifestyle of the black community and then also catering to black women in showcasing fashion and something that black women at the time could point to as their sort of fashion bible. So the idea of Ebony Fashion Fair kind of grew out of this fashion section that was already happening. So in 1956 in New Orleans, a woman by the name of Jessie Covington Dent, who was a pianist and a socialite and also the wife of the president of Dillard University at the time, she reached out to Eunice Johnson about co-hosting a fashion show as a fundraiser for a local hospital. 
And here we are yet again seeing another example of fashion shows in the Black American community being used as a way to serve our community and as a fundraising exercise. So out of the charity fashion show in 1956, this grew into a national phenomenon and became a traveling fashion show over the next 51 years featuring Black models and Black designers. The show helped bring exposure to a lot of these Black designers because it was a traveling fashion show and allowed them to reach ready-to-wear clientele in other parts of the country outside of their hometown. Um, So many of them who were struggling to launch their careers had a bit of a resurgence and some help because of Ebony Fashion Fair. In addition to showcasing the work of Black designers, Ebony Fashion Fair also showcased avant-garde and haute couture fashions on Black models, which was something, again, that some of these designers didn't really care for at the time. But you would see beautiful garments and gowns from designers like Yves Saint Laurent, Emilio Pucci, Christian Lacroix, among many, many others. Many of these pieces would be really extravagant and like some of the designer's most creative work because there were things that they couldn't necessarily send down the Paris or American runway because it wasn't the style at the time. But because Black people are extra in the best, best way possible, of course, we love these extravagant designs and um, the women, the many of the elite social light black women in the communities would love these things and would buy it. Eunice Johnson herself had a very expansive and creative haute couture and avant-garde collection based on some of the designs and the things that she would gather for Ebony Fashion Fair. The point of this major fashion show wasn't just to be a celebration of culture and beauty in the black community, but to raise money for our causes. So Johnson Publishing, Ebony Fashion Fair would always give money to local black businesses and venues, churches, sororities, urban league chapters, hospitals, HBCUs, just wherever to serve and raise money for our community causes. And of course, these shows weren't just regular fashion shows that you're used to seeing for New York Fashion Week, like I talked about before. It was more of a production. So there would be live choreography and music and entertainment. Sometimes these shows would be two hours long, like and included intermission. It was more like akin to a Broadway show, but with fashions than it was to your typical runway show. And we saw that before as I talked about Irvin C. Miller shows. And we'll see more of that later as I dig into more examples of fashion shows in Black communities. So another example of fashion shows in Black communities, similar to that of Ebony Fashion Fair, but not as a grant of a scale is the fashion shows of Dorothea Church. Now, Dorothea Church was a Black model. She was actually the first professional Black model to walk the fashion runways of French couture designers in Paris. That is a mouthful, but that is important to note. Her shows start to happen around the same time of the beginnings of Ebony Fashion Fair. So when she returned to the United States in 1954, she found it very difficult to find work in America because, of course, America wasn't checking for black models. But she had a ton of couture clothing with her because of her work and her time in Paris. And so she just began doing a tour of fashion shows at local HBCUs showcasing the collection that she brought with her and it also served as a fundraiser for her sorority. 
She also used her shows as a teaching tool. So she would hire local professional models and college students and teach them the basics of modeling as well as how to put on a show. So they were not only receiving money, but they're also receiving exposure and getting some real life industry training. It's clear that fashion shows were one of the many ways that Black women gave back to their community. Molly Moon, who was a philanthropist and the wife of the former NAACP Public Relations Director, Henry Lee Moon, she was very instrumental in bringing the Ebony Fashion Fair to New York and having that be one of the stops on the tour. And she used Ebony Fashion Fair as a way to raise money to fund the civil rights movement. So fashion shows aren't just this frivolous thing in the Black community, but it really does hold significance because it's one of our go-to ways to support our community causes. And I think it's a beautiful thing that we can do that using the talent of our community and create a gathering where everyone can come together, look good as we love to do and have a good time, but also give and support and uplift ourselves and make sure that our causes and our plight is being known and we are getting real solutions to our problems. Fast forward a bit to the 1960s and we have Naturally 62 occurring, which was a fashion show that really aimed to change the standards of beauty in the Black community. The event was organized by Ilombe Brath and Kwame Brathwaite and their organization, which they co-founded in 1956, which was called the African Jazz Art Society and Studios, um, a.k.a. A-Jazz. And at the show is where they introduced the Grandassa models. And if you're a fan of Black fashion history, then you already know who the Grandassa models are because you listened to the episode where we interviewed Ilombe Brath's son. Now, this show and the Grandassa models were very important because they showcased Black beauty in a way that was not celebrated in the 1960s. All of the models were darker skin. They wore their natural hair. Many of them were fuller figured. And they really pushed the message that Black is beautiful. Naturally, 62 was only supposed to be a one-time event, but... It was so popular that they decided to add a second show. And then when that second show was sold out, they decided to take this show all around the world. And soon thereafter, the Grandassa models began traveling to different cities like Chicago and Detroit and really ignited the Black is Beautiful movement. If you remember back in 2020, probably late 2019, early 2020, when Rihanna had her first drop of her Fenty clothing collection, the Grandassa models were the inspiration behind the visuals of that first drop. So that just gives you a little bit of an idea of how iconic and influential they were and how this whole movement started from an AJS fashion show. If you want to learn more about the Grandassa models and AJAZ, then you got to scroll all the way back to January of 2020 and listen to episodes 12 and 13 of Black Fashion History, and you will get the full rundown of Grandassa models, Naturally 62, and how and why that fashion show was so important. But this is just a little bit of tidbit and another example that fashion shows hold so much weight in the Black community and how they really can ignite a movement. 
I can literally go on and on and on about the history, the impact, the influence, and the use of fashion shows in our communities. I mean, even past the 60s, from the 70s to the 90s, you know, you have all of the fashion shows of Harlem. Again, Harlem makes another resurgence in, you know, the fashion realm. And you have Harlem Week that showcases all of these amazing local designers and all of these amazing local models. There are also fashion shows that are popping up in the South and continuing to be um, an example of how we're supporting our communities. Think about our church fashion shows and how influential those were. So there's so many different avenues and areas that I could dive into to talk about fashion shows in the Black community, but this podcast just isn't long enough. And while I have a wealth of knowledge, I don't have all that knowledge. But there is one last fashion show that I want to call out before I wrap up this episode that I think doesn't get its fair share of attention when we think about fashion in the historical context. And that is probably because it is a much newer part of history because it occurred in like the 2000s. But how can we talk about fashion shows in the Black community and in Black culture without talking about the iconic um, fashion entertainment shows of Howard University? Now, all HBCUs put on when it's homecoming time, but Howard University really led the game and the charge in the 2000s with their fashion shows. It was really undeniable. I mean, these things were being covered by major outlets like Essence, New York Times, Teen Vogue. And the Howard University fashion shows really helped to put a spotlight, a mainstream spotlight on black college and university homecoming culture. And the amazing thing about these shows is that it was all put on by students, like students were chairing the fashion community. It was student designers and the clothes did not look like student designers. It was always something beautifully crafted. It was something that was trendy. It really did sometimes project the styles that were to come a lot of people look to the Howard University fashion shows. The styling was done by students looking to the styling as a way to see what was hot in culture. It was such a cultural phenomenon that in 2018, I think the school partnered with Coach and to present a collection at Howard University. Like, who does that? I think it was a major part of Black culture and of hip hop culture at the time. And that kind of like, turned into like BT doing things like Rip the Runway, which I think was a playoff of that HBCU fashion show culture. Maybe it influenced each other, but I remember Rip the Runway being a big event on BT where you have artists performing, we had models and we had the latest in quote unquote urban wear being showcased. I also remember the New York Fashion Week shows of the 2000s featuring said urban wear like Fat Farm, Rockaware, Sean John, all of that stuff. Those fashion shows look totally different than any other type of show, i.e. mainstream white designer shows that will come down the runway. But the urban brands, the black brands, the hip hop brands would look totally different. I mean, there would be performances and dances and moving stage and lights. I mean, I think Diddy and Sean John was kind of one of the first brands in the space to really make fashion shows a large scale production. And I would definitely speculate that that comes from his Howard University background and how big those fashion shows have been for years. 
As we can see, fashion shows have a deep-rooted history in Black American culture, and we've only scratched the surface here in this episode. I gave y'all bits and pieces of a lot of things to try to showcase the whole picture. You know, while we didn't invent fashion shows, we have surely used them to our advantage to celebrate Black beauty, support our causes, make political statements, and so much more. And today we're still doing the same things. We see a lot of black outlets and organizations and designers use fashion and fashion shows as a way to highlight and celebrate talent in our community that isn't often given the same platform. So think about Fashion Bomb Daily has a fashion show that they do yearly now during New York Fashion Week. Essence does a fashion house during New York Fashion Week. There's Harlem Fashion Row. They are consistently doing fashion shows and supporting designers. There's Black Fashion Week out in Paris. There's so many more I know that I'm probably missing, but all of the shows are created as our own platform to showcase our talent and not wait for mainstream America, mainstream media to highlight us. And that's it, guys. Thanks again for tuning into another episode of Black Fashion History. If you loved what you heard, and I know you did, make sure to subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcasting platforms and on all social media at Black Fashion History Podcast. Don't forget to visit us online at our website, blackfashionhistory.com. And of course, if you don't do any of that stuff, Make sure to tune in again next week for another Black Fashion History installment. Bye-bye.